All right, we're going to be in John chapter 14 today. I'm going to uh, talk about uh, where the Lord's got us going for this season in the life of our church. So I don't know uh, how many Sundays this is going to last, as usual. But I do know that, uh, man, I've gotten a clear word from the Lord regarding uh, what we need to be doing. So I want to introduce that today and, uh, and hope that you can quickly get involved that you're, you guys would sit up in your spirit and uh, overcome whatever you did last night and this morning on the way over here and, uh, and really dig into uh, to this message today, hoping that, hoping that God will grab our hearts um, and, and get us on the right page and get us headed in the right direction as we begin 2017. I think it's a big year for us. I think the Lord has some great things he wants to do in the body and um, and it's going to be simple, as we talked about last week, and I'll kind of go back to that in a minute. But uh, but it's very specific. God started this year off by really speaking clearly and, and directing me clearly and over-directing me, really, over and over again, saying the same things to make sure that we got on this page together. So I have the privilege of being able to get along with God and do this. I got the time. It's my job. Uh, you guys have to work to try and make sense of what I say, all right? But the Holy Spirit is going to help you do that today uh, to get us on the same page. So y'all with me? Say, oh, yeah. Everybody got your stuff together? You ready to roll? All right, so John chapter 14. This is in the passage that we, uh, it's kind of one of the focal passages, well, one of the major passages that uh, is, defines our distinctives uh, as a gathering place. It's the passage where Jesus uh, spends his last hours with the disciples prior to his crucifixion. And so it's where he talks about abiding, uh, the concept of abiding. And some of what we'll talk about in closing today, we'll come back to that as one of our distinctives because that's one of the ABCs for 2017. Abiding is our A. So our focus is going to be on that. Um, so just to kind of give you the setting of this, Jesus is spending his last hours with the disciples. What he would say in the close of his life is some of the most significant words I believe that he would say ever in his life. He's giving, giving away these final nuggets of information to the disciples, preparing them uh, to be all that they need to be to, to get the word out into the world. And all of it's going to be hanging on the disciples' understanding of truth and who Jesus was and passing that on. And so what we're experiencing today is a result of them paying attention and grabbing hold of the message that Christ had in these final hours. So, same thing's true for us. These are not my words. These are Jesus' words. These are Jesus' words to us as disciples, as, and as urgent for us as they were for the 12. In our day, we're, we're in a place where the, the world desperately needs to, to hear from God and hear the truth. And the message is simple, uh, but it's, it's uh, profound, and it's hard for us to communicate it in a world where people want so much more in their minds than, than just the simple gospel. Where the church is, is where we've all been trained in the church to desire more than just the message about the goodness of Christ. And so today's message is, is entitled, Seeing Jesus is Enough. Seeing Jesus is Enough. All right, And it'll introduce what we're going to be doing uh, over the next months and maybe a year together. All right, John chapter 14, verse 8 to 22. 
after Jesus tells his disciples he's going away, tells them not to be troubled, he's going to prepare a place for them, then uh, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me, that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, and, then the, and that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you'll ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is the one, he it is, who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. First thing Philip says, his statement is the cry, I believe, of it's my cry. It's hopefully the cry of our church. It's definitely the cry of the world, whether they feel it or not, the cry of of the church the big church, all believers. This is our cry. God, Jesus, show us the Father, and it will be enough. Show us the Father, and it will be enough. As I've been praying and reading and seeking uh, direction for this year and messages that God would have us to, to preach and, and the direction and vision that God has for the Gathering Place West, this has been the cry that's been on my heart. God, just show us who you are, and it will be enough. Show us who you are, and it will be enough. That word show, uh, in the original language, uh, has a a lot of connotations that I think are significant to us. So I I normally don't do this, but I want you to, to, to hear the definition of it. It's to make known the character or significance of the Father by visual auditory, gestural, or linguistic means. He says, if you will show us the Father, show us the character, make known to us the character or the significance of the Father. By visual, auditory, gestural, or linguistic means, it will be enough. Basically, he said, if you will just let us experience the Father, and it will be enough. And by enough, he means sufficient or adequate for their particular purpose, also with, this, with a, a connotation of leading to satisfaction. In other words, if you will just show us in a visible way, in, in, let our senses experience the Father, then we will be satisfied, forever satisfied. 
Now, that may sound weird, but it's, it certainly sounded weird to Jesus in his day. Jesus is going like, you want to see the Father you, visibly? Here he is. Where you been, Philip? You, you want to hear the Father? Open your ears. I've been speaking for three years. I've been, I've been telling you the same things over and over again. You want to hear him? You want to see him gesture? I got a gesture for you. You want to know what he looks like? <laughs> what he acts like? You know, it didn't make sense to Jesus that Philip is asking this question. Show us the Father. Show us the Father. Jesus is like, for real? With all of what he was asking, he wanted to see the Father. It was more than just this, uh, you know, this lyric in a song that says, show us, show us your glory, you know, where we don't really engage in it. And, you know, a lot of times we're like, you know, it's this kind of subjective kind of show me. In other words, I want to feel something. They were asking him. Philip was saying, show us evidence. We want to see the Father. We want to hear the Father. We want to experience the Father. And Jesus is saying, you have. You have. And we'll come back to this in just a minute. But Jesus says, I I am. If you've seen me, you've seen him. If you've experienced me, you've experienced him. But first I want to go to this statement that, that that Jesus gives to John in verse 9, verses 9 through 11. This is what he says. I mean, when we're crying out, right, church, hopefully, in the same way, we want to know that God's real. I mean, we're, let's not be too hard on Philip because we're the same way. I, I, I see it in us this morning. I, I felt it in my, in my own spirit or more, more in my flesh this morning as I was trying to, to just deal with flesh. And getting out of the flesh to see the truth about who God is. It's not easy. We're feeling it. And I I hope that we can cry out to God together as a church. And say to God, God show us. Let us experience you. Let us know you in in ways that will cause us to be satisfied. That our hearts would be content. That we would have that joy and contentment that, that you talk about. So in John 14, verse 9 through 11, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So first of all, he's saying, Have have you been with me so long and yet you still do not know me? What's he saying there? One thing I know he's saying is this. Being with Jesus a long time doesn't mean that you've seen him. Y'all with me? Say, oh, yeah. Y'all get that point? Just because you've been with Jesus a long time doesn't mean you've seen him. Now, we can start wherever we want to start. Let's go start with others and we'll work our way to ourselves. All of us know that we've been in churches where there have been people that have been there the longest. You know, they helped build the buildings. They put, they, they put all their money into the church. If you added up all their tithes through the year, they paid for the place. You know, and, they, and they're old and they've been there and they've been teaching classes and been deacons and, and elders and and uh, rent hospitality committee chairmen and whatever else that women do in those churches. You know, they, they've been in the church forever. They know God. They accepted Jesus when they were in eighth grade or eight years old, you know, or five or whatever. They've been baptized. They know all the, all the stuff. 
But, but knowing Jesus for all that time has never changed who they are. There's not any, there's not any difference in their life. They're still, those, those people are the most judgmental. They're the most harsh. They're the most um, cantankerous. You know, they're always the ones that are, that are bothered about everything in the church. It doesn't go their way. They're very self-centered and selfish. You've all experienced somebody like that. And I want to start there because it's easy for us to, okay, now we've got a grip on what that might look like. But then let's, let's just come back down to right here because you guys have been with Jesus a long time too. And yeah, it seems like we don't know him. I mean, where are you in your knowledge of God by experience? Can you say, I know him in the way that, that, that Philip was asking? He's been around. The potential for you to know God in a very personal, experiential way in your life is, has been present with you ever since you became a Christian. That potential is right there. In the same way that when Jesus stepped into Peter's boat, all the potential for catching fish and experiencing the personality of Jesus was, was present in the boat with him. But Peter was not focused on Jesus until Jesus gave him a command to follow. And, there, and Jesus got involved in his life, and finally he experiences Jesus through obedience. And so, church, look... You know, I, I don't know any other way to say this other than we all have flesh, and it's very real, and we, are, we, are, we need to have our flesh engaging the, the truth about who God is. We need to be experiencing him. We need to ask God, beg God, God, get our, get our focus off of us and get our focus on who you are. Help us to see you, to really see who you are. His disciples had been with him for three years, and they didn't see him. He said, have you been with me so long, and yet you still don't know who I am? It's, it, God is more than, than programs to follow. He's more than services to attend. He's more than small groups to go to. He's more than the fellowship that we have and more than just the stuff that he gives us and the, the things that we enjoy in life. He's more than that. Do you know that? Have you been with him so long, yet you still, the, the statement of Jesus to us today, would it still be, yet you still do not know me? I think there's, there's a huge distraction with the disciples. When you look at trying to understand why is it, why is it that the disciples didn't know Jesus, even though they had been with him all these years, I think we can find some answers about where our problems might come from. Uh, I, I, man, I had tons of these. I just started going back and looking at the disciples and where their focus was. For instance, James and John and Peter are the most prolific uh, disciples in Scripture. We see more stories about Peter, James, and John than we do about any of the other disciples. But just looking at them, James and John wanting to be on Jesus' right side and left. In Mark chapter 10, verses 35 to 42, it says, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do... For us, whatever we ask. And what do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit on your right and the other on your left in, in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism, baptism I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I baptize with. But to sit in my right hand or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. And when the, the ten heard about this, 
they came, became indignant with James and John. So here, here's James and John. They got their mindset on being somebody. You know, they want to be on Jesus' right and left when he enters into his kingdom. And in their mind, they were still thinking physical kingdom, that he was ultimately going to take control and he was going to rule. And they wanted to be on his right and left-hand side. And they were with him every day. And what were they focused on? We want to be people of importance. What, what can we get out of Jesus? What is it that, you, that he has to offer us? Well, when he comes into his kingdom, we can be his right-hand and left-hand men, right? Peter. Jesus is walking on the water, coming to Peter. And Peter steps out, and we talk about his faith, and it's a great lesson of faith. But, but why did Peter walk on the water? Peter walked on the water because he wanted to walk on the water. He wanted to be able to do something that, that was impressive. There was nothing about Peter's walking on the water that had anything to do with his desire to know Jesus. He just wanted to walk on the water. And Peter's constantly doing things to draw attention to himself. He, you know, Peter pulls out his sword and cuts off the ear of, of the, the soldier that's coming to arrest Jesus. Why? Because he's going to fight. He's going to be the man. Peter, James, and John, they go up to the Mount of Transfiguration. What are they focused on? Jesus is transfigured before them. The Father says, this is my son in whom I well please. God puts his, his word. I, they hear the voice of God. And what do they want to do with that? They want to build a tabernacle and stay up there and have tents and just stay up on the mountain. They want to do something that's good for them. It was all about them. The disciples are constantly doing that. In John 6, 66, many of the disciples, the Bible says, left Jesus because he said, I'm going to be crucified and, and you guys are going to drink my blood and eat my flesh. They said, wait a minute, what? The Bible says that many no longer followed him. Most of his disciples walked away from him, not the 12, but most of the disciples walked away from him because he was going to be crucified. Why did they walk away? Because they didn't know Jesus. They weren't in it for knowing him. They were in it for what they could get out of him. All of these people were in it for what they could get out of Jesus, even his 12 disciples. It was all about what they could get out of him. Peter makes a good statement that we can all relate to in, in Matthew chapter 19, verse 27. It says, Peter answered him, We've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus was talking about a rich man, rich man, how hard it was for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And, and Peter makes this statement, well, you know, we've left everything to follow you. But what's in it for us? What are we going to get out of this? Philip, how, how could you be with me so long and not know me? How, how could you be with me so long and not see who I am? You, you're saying that seeing the Father's enough, but seeing that you've seen me, I, I'm the one with the Father, and it's not been enough for you. And I think the reason is because Philip never saw Jesus. He saw himself. He saw what he could get out of Jesus. And, and we're in the same boat, church. Listen, if we don't get out of this boat of figuring out that this is not about us, it's not about us getting something out of Jesus now, look, there's a great, beautiful byproduct, and Jesus gives it at the end of this whole time with the disciples. He says, I've told you these things that my joy might be in you, and your joy might be made complete. There is complete joy that's on the end of this for us, but it, it, joy doesn't come by us trying to get joy. Y'all with me? If you're seeking joy, you're not going to get it. If you're seeking Jesus, you will.
Joy is a byproduct. It's the fruit of us seeing Jesus for who he is. And it is enough. The disciples were missing it, though. Philip was missing it. So Jesus says, listen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am in the Father, and he is in me. And since you've seen me, you've seen him. So you've seen enough. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. Jesus, uh, Paul says this. He says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in everything uh, that, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of, of God, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile himself to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the flesh and blood version of the invisible God. Jesus is what Philip was asking for. Philip says, we want to see the Father and it will be enough. This scripture in Colossians, Jesus is saying the same thing that Paul was repeating here in Colossians. He's saying he is the image of the invisible God. You want to see, touch, hear God? Jesus is that. In Hebrews chapter 1, the writer of Hebrews says this in verses 1 through 3. Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things. Though whom, uh, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus told the disciples, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. The writer of Hebrews is reiterating that. And not only did we see him, his, his image was a perfect picture of the character of God, but also the words that he spoke. The words that he spoke in the last days were the words of the Father. Jesus said it himself. These are not my words. If you've heard these words, you've heard the Father. You haven't heard me. So everything that we hear, the auditory aspect of us knowing the Father, of showing us the Father, Jesus' words were, were the, the words of the Father. They were not his words. Jesus told his disciples that they had all that they needed. They just needed to focus on the reality of who he was and that that would change everything and it would be enough. Last week we spoke about being a simple church, focusing on doing our ABCs, abiding in Christ, blessing people, and committing to community. Three things. As I've been praying about what God would have us or where God would have us go this year in our corporate experiences in the Word on Sunday mornings, He's led my heart to embrace this same concept of simplicity. And it's, and it's so clear in this text. Listen to the simplicity of what Jesus says to Philip regarding discovering God in a way that satisfies our deepest desires. He says, number one, You've been with me so long, yet you still don't know me. And number two, I am in the Father, and he is in me. And since you've seen me, 
you've seen the Father. So the change that we need to make as a church is we need to quit focusing on, like the disciples, so many of us are focused on what are we going to get out of Jesus? What's in it for us? And we're asking the same questions the disciples were asking. What's in this for us? By the way, all the disciples, not just the three, uh, were guilty of this. When James and John asked if they could be at Jesus' right hand, and he said, you guys are not ready for this, then all the other ten were upset with them because they said, hey, wait a minute, y'all are getting something that we're not getting. You're asking for special places. They're all in it for what they could get, and we need to recognize that today. What are you here for? Why are you here today? It's okay if you're here for yourself, but we've got to get over ourselves. The message of Jesus is, you've been with me a long time and you still don't know me. And the reason is because you got your eyes focused on the wrong thing. But then the second thing is realizing that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And because the Holy Spirit lives in us, the Holy Spirit will be saying the same things to us today. If you were to ask Jesus today, Jesus, I want, to, I want you to show me. The, the father or let's just say Jesus show me yourself a lot of us have said probably in our lives I wish we could have lived when Jesus was alive man if I had seen him do all these things and I had experienced him every day and heard him teach man I'd be done the disciples were saying the same thing about the father if the father would come down here and he'd be the one speaking and doing and you know and and and, and uh, demonstrating his power to us then, we, then we'd have, that would be enough. And so what do we say? Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away, because if I go away, I'll send the comforter, the helper to you, and he will take my place, and he will live in you. Right now, he's pointing to himself, he's with you. But, but later on, he will be in you. We have the Holy Spirit living in us, and when we're asking Jesus, Jesus, if you could just show yourself to me. Just show yourself to me, and that will be enough. Demonstrate yourself, your power. Let me experience you. Let me hear from you. Let me know that I know that I know that you exist. And the Holy Spirit is going, if you've seen me, you've seen him. The Holy Spirit would be saying the same thing to us that Jesus said to the disciples. If you've experienced me, you've experienced him. I'm here, and I want to be real and true to you and I want you to see me how long will I be in you and yet you don't know me we got to get our spiritual eyes focused and the same way the disciples did we got to get our eyes off of ourselves and get our eyes focused how are we going to make the change Jesus gave Philip the answer and I'm going to give these answers and we're done today look first of all we need to hear him and see his works Jesus told the disciples, or Philip particularly, he says in chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his work. So Jesus is saying this, number one, you want to see the Father? You want to experience the Father? Then here's the first thing you need to do. Realize these words that I speak are not my words. They came from the Father. So you want something auditory? Here it is. The words I speak are from the Father. And the Holy Spirit would say the same thing to us. What's going to make us change? How, how, how are we going to change? Number one, we need to hear the Holy Spirit's voice. 
we are so wishy-washy about hearing God, spending time with God, paying attention, being sensitive to the moment-by-moment promptings of the Spirit, spending time in the Word and listening to what God says. So what we're going to do this year on Sunday mornings for as long as it takes or as long until God gets us on something else, we're just going to look, we're going to listen to the words of Jesus. We're going to hear his words in Scripture. We're going to go through the Gospels. We're going to take stories of of Jesus and his encounters with people and what did he say? What truth did Jesus speak? And we're going to hear those words like they come from Jesus for us because they do. But we need to hear him. And we need to see his works. Jesus said, after that, he says, uh, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or else, and because I said it, believe it, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Listen, I know this sounds crazy to some of you, but most of you have experienced this to some degree enough that you understand that abiding in Christ means that we are hearing God's words and we are obeying what he says. And when we, when we make those adjustments in our lives, we get to experience God. We get to see his activity. All right? I can go all the way back to the Old Testament, trace any story you want to about a man who was faithful or a woman who was faithful to God and how he worked. So Elijah stands before the prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Baal and Asherah, and, and God sends him up to this mountain to demonstrate who he is to his people. And he tells Elijah to do some crazy things. And, and he lets them have, he prepares a, a, a sacrifice, puts it on the altar. But there's no way that Elijah is going to be able to do what God wants him to do. He tells them to pray and ask their God to come down and consume the sacrifice. And they pray all day long to, the, to Baal and Asherah and nothing happens. They cut themselves. They did everything that was their custom to try and get their God to do something for them. But he can't do anything because he's not a God. And then Elijah prays to God and he says this, God, come down and consume the sacrifice so that these people will know that there's a God in Israel. He didn't say come down and consume the sacrifice so that they'll know I'm an important man and they'll lift me up to appoint, to, as, a, as a good prophet. He says, God, come down so they'll know there's a God in Israel, that, there's, that their God is real. And what does he do? God comes down and consumes the sacrifice and licks up the water that he poured over the sacrifices. And, 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 and the people's response was, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. They saw God because Elijah heard God's voice and the people got to see God's activity. We need to start watching for God's activity. Some of you have made some tough decisions. There's others of you that right now are praying through some hard things that God's told you to do. You know he spoke through his Holy Spirit, through the word, circumstances, other believers, whatever. You're doing what God told you to do. You're being faithful to that. Now watch for God's works. If the word's not enough, if you're not yet at a point where you can just walk in the peace and the comfort that you're being obedient to God and it's going to turn out the way it needs to, watch for what God does. Pay attention to it. Don't miss it. Jesus says, if if you're not yet at a point where you can just hear my words and trust that, then watch what I do. Watch what I do. We need to, so we need to, first of all, in order to have this change go on in our lives, get our eyes off of ourselves and focus on him, we need to hear his words and we need to see his works.
So we're going to begin next Sunday working our way through the stories of Jesus and his interactions with people to hear his words and to see his works. That's what we want to do. We want to hear his words in the Gospels and see his works and find our place in that. But then also, the second thing we can do is obey him and see how he reveals himself to us. This whole concept of abiding comes from this passage. And Jesus defines it in this answer to the question of Philip. How, how are we going to, how are you going to show us the Father? It will be enough. If you, if you just show us the Father, it will be enough. And, and I know we know that. If we can just experience the truth of God, who he is, experience him in our lives, it will be enough for us. Here's another way, or the way. Chapter 4, verses 18 to 21. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've heard me. We haven't had that. We haven't had the physical Jesus. But here's ours. Verses 18 to 21. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now who, what does he mean by that? Who's coming? Who? Holy Spirit. All right. I will come to you. It's him in, in spirit form. Jesus is one. They are one. The Godhead. I will come to you. Yet in a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. He says, see me. You will see me. Okay. They want to experience Jesus. They want to experience the Father. He's saying, you're going to experience me and, and I'm going to, because I'm going to be in you. He says, in that day you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. You will know it. And this is how you'll know it. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him when he says manifest he's not talking about a feeling he's not talking about uh just a a warm fuzzy kind of old kumbaya feeling he's not talking about that he's not talking about lighting candles and sitting around in a circle and trying to conjure some kind of feeling up he says i will manifest myself to him this is the answer this is enough it's when when the holy spirit speaks to us and we obey what he says and he shows his power like he did at mount carmel with Elijah and the prophets of Baal. It's when when God gives us a direction and we do what he says and then God reveals his power through his activity in our life. And so story after story is waiting on you. Church, y'all with me? If our cry is God, show us that you're real. Let us experience the reality of who you are. It all hinges on us getting, realizing we are not seeing Jesus because We are focused on ourselves, getting stuff for us, getting our minds off of that, and for maybe the first time in our lives, hearing the words, seeing his past actions, and then for ourselves every day, getting in the word, praying, seeking God, going to bed early enough the night before so we can wake up the next morning and spend time with God, not because we have to, not because we've got to check it off on an envelope, not because we're trying to prove something to the people around us, but because we're hungry to know God. We really want to know him. Jesus says you can know him. Now, Philip did know him. When the Holy Spirit came, Philip ultimately gave his life. He, he was a martyr for the cause of Christ. What Jesus said here to James and John was also true. They ultimately all died as martyrs. John was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. They died and they gave their lives as a result of their experience 
of the reality of who God was in the Holy Spirit. They didn't understand hardly anything of what he was saying, even when he was saying it in the upper room. But after the Holy Spirit came, he explained everything. The Holy Spirit brought to light all of this truth. Jesus says, there's a lot that I want to tell you now, but you can't comprehend it. But when the Spirit comes, he will guide you to all truth. And that happened for them. And it's happening for you. It can happen for you. I know it's frustrating to, to play a game of church. I know it's frustrating to just spend your life uh, going through the motions and not ever being able to have experiences with God that are real and personal and where he reveals himself. And you know he did something because you could never do it. it. He tells you to do something and it, and it takes all the faith that you have to, to obey and you obey and then God comes through and does what only God can do. I know that takes, that's what you want. All of us want that. We want it over and over and over again. That is abiding in Christ. It's just obeying him. And when we obey what he says, he reveals himself to us. We need that over and over again. So our ABCs are, you know, abide is number one. In church, we just, we, we, you know, we can continue to go through the motions of doing this or we can really begin to abide in him. What's going to freshen up your worship on Sunday morning? It's going to be whenever you have encounters with God during the week. It's when Sunday morning is an expression of love and praise to a God that you've experienced during the week. Is when you know that you know that you know that God is real and he's doing stuff in your life and he's moving and working in you and you're coming to know him and now you're putting your faith in a person instead of a, a better day or a better, an hour, a better hour or a better relationship. You're putting your, you're putting your trust in a person that you're coming to know by experience. It's a whole different ballgame. So the challenge for us starting out this year is, is committing to do our ABCs. Abide, bless, and commit to community. And as you commit to community on Sunday mornings, we're going to be walking through story after story. We're just going to see Jesus for who he is. Now, as we start seeing Jesus in the stories of his interactions with people, I mean, how simple is that? Nobody's going to be impressed, by the way. If you go around town and people are asking you, so what are y'all doing this year? What's your sermon series? Oh, we're going to be talking about Jesus. Oh, okay. Nobody's impressed with that. But the, there, there's, there is life change. There is community change. There is heart change for you. There is joy and contentment. That's right on the other side of us spending our time seeing Jesus, and that will be enough. It will be enough if we can get our eyes focused and just see him and quit looking around and seeing what building, what the building looks like, and seeing how many people are here, seeing who showed up, seeing what kind of donuts we got, seeing what kind of coffee we got. It's really just going to be so much better than seeing who goes to the life group and what kind of meal we're going to have this week. It's getting our eyes focused on the right things, and it's not going to be easy because we're messed up. Philip was with Jesus for three years. He was by his side, and he didn't see him for who he was. It's not going to be easy. We have an enemy who's against us. He's powerful. He's, he is uh, sneaky. He's like a roaring lion, and he knows how to steal away your, any possibility of you coming to know the Holy Spirit by experience. And he's been very successful with us as a whole. 
We're all about grace. Everybody gets that, right? Nobody's looking at you and saying, well, you're a poor sinner. Why don't y'all be more like me? I'm having a hard time. I had a hard time this morning getting focused on seeing Jesus for who he is. But I'm committing, church, personally, that I'm going to walk through these studies. I hope you will, too, just walk through the Gospels and see the person of Jesus in those stories and find that same person in the form of the Holy Spirit in your life, walking with you through life, encountering people in, the, in and around you and bringing hope and purpose and joy to this community. Not only is there potential for you personally to experience and know God, and it'd be enough. There's, there's a potential for this community to see Jesus and Jesus become enough. And when I think about that, it's, it's mind-boggling to think that this community could ever be satisfied with Jesus. But that potential's out there. That he, he, is, he is what brings everybody together. He is what brings joy and purpose and happiness and contentment in our life. He's the only thing that will fill that up. And we need to be his messengers in his community. And so, guys, we've got to get this. We've got to get this. All right. I commit to it. I hope you will, too. All right. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord. You, you take some time right now as we prepare for worship to just ask the Lord to help you to hear him and see him in his works in the Gospels as we go through this study. And then to obey him and see him in the way that he reveals himself in your daily life. And as you commit this morning, let me just make it very practical. There's every reason in the world why we can't spend time with God. Every reason in the world. Nobody wants you to feel guilty about that. I just want you to hunger for it. And the only way that's going to happen is if you just make yourself do it until it it becomes a habit. And then you start experiencing God. And then it will be addictive. There's no way you could ever steal that away from me now. I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to schedule my life around that because I want to hear his voice. I want to obey what he says so that I can see him. He can reveal himself to me. We need to spend time getting the commandments of God, involving him in our decisions, and allowing him to manifest himself to us. Father, we love you. God, I pray that every heart today is feeling what I'm feeling. Lord, a deep desire, and Lord, that you would hear our cry as we cry out to you. Holy Spirit, show us who you are. We, we want to, our senses to experience you. We want to see your activity. We want to hear your voice. We want to know where you're leading us to go, and how you want us to handle life, and Father, we just, we just need that desperately. Not only do we need it, our community needs it. There's a huge task before us to defeat the enemy in this, but you said that even though we would have troubles in the world, that you've overcome the world. And we know that Satan is under your feet. So give us a victory, God. I pray that you'll give us enough motivation today to begin to act differently, work towards this together. And we love you, Jesus. Thank you for being patient with us. I know that, that as you responded to Philip, it wasn't with the kind of response that I have in my heart this morning towards that, it's, but it was with a response of patience and grace and mercy 
And Father, we need that today. Lord, we worship you today for who you are. Not just for what you do, but for who you are and who we're discovering you to be. Receive our worship.